tuned in to the Enough of the Fluff podcast, bringing another episode of the story behind the business. I am Leyland Diano, the vice president of agency media and uh, a web geek all around. Love business, love sales. If you're tuning in for the first time, you'll only hear a little bit of my voice usually. Uh, this episode of the podcast is a is a really cool one, especially if you're um, a sports or music enthusiast and also interested in the business and audience data behind that type of uh, behind that type of strategy in business. But also, this is a great episode for anyone who's in business development and sales who wants to hear some some tactics and some ideas and processes from a vice president of uh, of a large company or and a very strategic company that's at the forefront of their of their space. In this one, we have kind of a raw interview. We. Uh, Adam Bessie was was working at Tradable Bits and working on some projects with them, and he he was able to sit down with their vice president of business development, Lenny, and they had a great chat about uh, not only the business and what they're doing with data, but also sales tactics and how they are selling their platform and acquiring new business. Definitely a good one to listen to. Check it out. Yeah. So we want to talk with businesses like yourself that are local that are doing some interesting things, and just to kind of you know on the surface just get a initial grasp on the things that you're doing that are magical helps mm-hmm. you guys out uh, to get some more exposure as well as it helps us out so yeah why um why don't you give us a background like how did you get started with tradable bits and yeah and uh, uh, what do you actually do at tra- at tbitties <laughs> <laughs> so i'm uh, five years in now i'm now the vice president of uh, business development so i'm in charge of all the the revenue for the company uh, we mainly work with sports, music, and entertainment businesses uh, across Canada, uh, U.S., and now sort of globally as well as we sort of expand. So it's been a fun ride being able to uh, work with a lot of really fun brands in sports and, and music. I'm a big sports fan. I love music as well, too. So to work with the uh, big music festivals across the world, uh, Live Nation's a huge partner, uh, a lot of teams in the NBA, NHL, NFL, Australian Football League. How did, how did you get started at Trinidad Bits? Like, why why did you apply to go work there? How did you get into it? Actually, uh, our, our founder, Darshan, um, I knew him through the industry, and we had met through uh, other companies that I worked at, and uh, kind of offered me a job to come on board and uh, kind of do business development for him. And he said, you know, we really uh, want to expand into sports, and uh, we know that's uh, a bit of your passion, and uh, you've had a little bit of background working with sports before. I, I did an internship with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, and just really interested, kind of in the business, digital marketing, e-commerce, lots of in that space. Uh, and it was unique for me because I, I saw what the product was doing and how it revolutionized the way you you market. Uh, towards a, a fan and, and creating more personalization in everything that you do. And that's really how marketing has evolved in digital these days. So to see a, a software platform that would be something that brands, uh, teams would use in that, in that way was really key. And I saw that was you know the future. And I wanted to jump on board and, and be there. And also understand that I would be able to sell to a lot of people where I did their jobs. So I've been on, I, you know, I've had, I've been in their shoes before. I definitely know what that's sort of like, and I would know how a tool or a software like that would be able to really enhance what I would be able to do. 
Uh, and then the unique part is the evolution and the innovation that comes along working with that team. Uh, I thought they had such a, a great uh, software engineering team, the, the background with the, our other co-founder, Dmitry Krasanov, who's uh, just a genius when it comes to uh, software development. And, and he kind of built a, a lot of this stuff uh, off a, a background being working with large enterprise data. So it was going to be a product, even though working in like a startup style, that you could deliver it at an enterprise grade. Uh, so that was really exciting and, and seeing that we could be innovative, we could move fast, be able to uh, not take a long time like the larger software companies to develop a feature when a, a client is giving you feedback. It, it became a, a really exciting process and then the, the growth of the team over the last five years, the expansion into uh, different markets and then just growing in, within the industry itself, starting out with only a couple of uh, teams overall when we first joined and now we've got over 20 to 25 well, I mean, to different paint, sports teams. So paint the right? landscape because you kind of started to go into an interesting kind of comment there. When you started at Tradable Bits, you talked about it, it's evolved since then, but even the way that we consume content oh, yeah. were brought, content was brought to us was completely different five years ago. So maybe talk about the initial landscape because I do feel like you guys have been on the forefront for a lot of things, uh, specifically when it comes to fan data and how fans interact with like a Jumbotron. So maybe kind of put us back five years ago because you know, t two years ago was is a different landscape. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like five years ago, trying to tell somebody about a fan data platform was like, whoosh, like right over people's heads. People didn't even understand sort of what that was and why you would like, you know, my tickets are like, the, the data that I have, but you don't really know who bought that ticket, that sort of thing. We were trying to help people understand that they needed to own their fan data so that they could know when to sell or know when to uh, create like a sponsorship program targeted at a different segment and a group, group of people. And especially working with different social networks to having a better understanding of how advertising in, in segmentation and things like that would work was really key, so Facebook would be a key partner, but like you said, F Facebook's evolved so much within five years. So we've always kind of had to be a building on the cusp of everything and trying to see what the, the next piece is there and, and partnering with a lot of these different networks and uh, helps us understand what the roadmap is sort of going. So we help to craft the path of where the innovation kind of needs to be. And the more partners we sort of work with, we understand their challenges and are able to start building some solutions for them along the way and that helps evolve what the platform has become so where it was five years ago is definitely not where where it that was necessarily even the roadmap for where it would it's part of a natural evolution of what how people consume the media how people sort of use it and then us better understanding how to how to make that solution uh, better and fit for uh, these very specific industries that we work with so I mean, so now, like you, you don't just sell a prepackaged app. Like there is some complexity to it. Oh, absolutely. So we we kind of broken down our, our business into multiple ways. Before we were primarily trying to sell ourselves as a SaaS solution, software as a service. Here's a platform that you buy for X dollars a year, and they're licensed, and then you know renew, and you have X amount of seats, and it's a DIY si uh, sort of thing with some level of. Uh, help and support or training that goes along with it. 
uh, we've fully evolved that into kind of three major uh, areas on our team now. We have uh, our main software solution with a subscription piece. We've got custom uh, solutions and professional services where uh, a lot of our partners who already uh, have a license with us may tap us to build custom solutions on top of what they already do. And then we also have uh, an, an ads optimization team. So we have built on top of this, a lot of the data stack that we have with a lot of our partners, uh, they may need uh, uh, a group to be able to run their ads or do optimization with it. And we've kind of built that as another arm, uh, an extension on Tradable Bits itself. And we've really developed uh, a lot of ad uh, technology to build on top of this for social ads, digital ads, and really trying to enhance uh, what can be done with us and automate that as best as possible with uh, not having to hire as many bodies along the way. And that's come with some, uh, a lot of hard work and sweat, but that helps us understand what is tedious. And, and that's what's really exciting about working at this company where we can have a developer sit with our ads team and really start to understand what is the pain. I'm taking seven, 10, 15 clicks to do this thing, and it's taking me 10 hours. Can we, if we did that, would that shave off eight hours out of our week? If you shave off that amount of time, does that mean one less body would you have to hire? And then we can put the time into developing that, one, internally for, as, as an efficiency for us, but also for our clients, if they went to this model where they started to do a little bit more internally and they had one person that they had to hire to manage all that, and you have a technology that can do a lot of the heavy lifting for them too. Talk a little bit about, because um, a lot of it is you need to understand the business or what you're trying to source. So you, you go to music festivals or sports. Is it all the same when you're dealing with like all the music festivals or the sports team, or they all have different type of like? Uh, I think every everyone has a different type of, of need. Uh, a sports team that's at you know that's winning, that's a champion. They don't have a problem selling tickets. Uh, so where is that opportunity? It could be in sponsor selling sponsorships because there's always opportunities to sell more sponsorship and that uh, drives incremental revenue. So that may be an avenue to be able to go in with a team that's at the top. I also like working with teams that are in the middle at the bottom because that means they're motivated to try to sell more tickets. That means they're more likely to try to innovate a little bit more. So there's a different avenue to work with every different team from a, from a league perspective. And then same with uh, music festivals too. There's all sorts of different needs. It's, it's a lot of competition. You've seen more and more music festivals over the last five years pop up as well. So everyone's trying to sell more tickets. With music festivals, it's really expensive to, uh, to run a music festival. So uh, how do you get people away from buying a ticket last minute to buying a ticket as early as possible? That's the key and that's really going to help uh, a music festival with cash flow and everything as well too. So a lot of the different things that we built along the way have not because we knew what problem we were to solve. It's been a collaborative process working with our partners. So I think that's a key for a lot of businesses. If they have a really good relationship with their partners and really have a better understanding of what their needs are or like just listening to understand what their challenges are, that you may be able to come up with a solution that they never thought of or maybe able to implement a solution that that can really help them and not only them, everyone else within that industry as well too. 
how, how did you, how was your sales process? Like, what do you, because as a VP of business development, like, how do you approach sales? Like, how do you, do you pick up the phone and cold call people? Do you connect with them on LinkedIn, networking? Like, what, what are, what's your process? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I like to meet people in person. So if I can get out to a conference and build a relationship there, that's key. Uh, I think technology is really powerful as well. So being able to just do video calls or, or different types of calls there where you can share a screen and walk people through stuff. That's a great start, uh, especially from a software side. That's that's a lot easier. But maybe to get to that that conference call, like what are some of the tactics that you use that you found successful? Yeah, I think referral is really key. So having, if your partners trust you and they're within a, a particular industry, uh, the sports space is really nice in in that sense where they're pretty collaborative across the board. Where, you know, even if they're uh, competition on the court or on the ice. Uh, their fans are their fans, so they're not really fighting for um, for that person's share of uh, ticket dollars or things like that. Maybe a little different on the music side of the business, but referral has been a, a big key. And as you build your thought leadership and you build your profile up a little bit, it makes it a lot easier to tr say connect with someone on LinkedIn. Um, big key: don't just hit like connect with someone on LinkedIn. Write a message. Tell them why you want to connect. You'd be surprised at how many people are more receptive to that. I get a billion people trying to connect with me on LinkedIn and I don't know why and they don't put a reason why so I click ignore, right? It's a it's a huge problem. It's not Facebook. It's a professional network, right? But if I think if you have a compelling reason why you want to connect and you have something to say or something to talk about, that's key. And I mean, for me, I don't always try to sell, uh, you know, in your sales you like to talk, but I'm trying to train myself every time to shut up and listen a little bit more and you'd be surprised at how much information you get out of that and where you can turn around and add some value to that conversation as well and if you can learn and you can understand challenges i like to uh, to have a conversation with someone and just say you know what's the what's the number one challenge you guys are trying to solve this year just to understand where they're at in their cycle of their business what's one thing you know as you're a growing business what are what's some Maybe, I want to ask two questions. First one, what's some things that you had to do as like a biz dev move? So you have a platform, you know, do you go to conferences or music festivals and say, hey, we want to give you, you know, you've had to give it in the early days away for free and to get something back. Maybe you want to say for free because obviously you don't want to have everybody knocking on your doors in for free, but like what are some of the things that you were able to do as like a ninja move to to get like more business ultimately or like a yeah. good opportunity? I think from a software side, we tried to do um, early on when we had very minimal budget, we did some in-kind trades where we would sponsor at a conference and give our technology that could be of use at a conference, but then uh, at the same time be able to attend and, and have the exposure for it uh, and then give the, the use of that tech to the conference as well. That would be kind of one way that we kind of ninja'd our way. Ninja'd? Is that? Is <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. Yeah, I kind of ninja is just a, wow, he's a very popular esports guy. <laughs> yeah, ninja. ninja yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, now that you now that I say ninjas, I was thinking like the actual ninja, not ninja yeah. esports guy. No, I get it, yeah. Have you guys done any esports? Is that like an arena that you're trying to get into? Oh, we we played in that space a little bit with uh, our NBA partners that have a 2K team. It's a it's an interesting world. Uh, 
esports is something that you know it's the top of everyone's mind, everyone's sort of buzzword. I don't know that everybody understands or gets it either. Uh, the only revenue that can be generated in esports is comes from sponsorship. There's very few of it that comes from ticket sales. There's a lot of it is like not even, uh, you know, it's it's a small area gymnasium or, or right. things like that there's only like these major ones that happen and those sell out right away so it's not like there's ticket revenue uh, there's not necessarily TV money behind it because it's being streamed online for free so the only revenue key source is really from sponsorship for esports um, the gaming industry meanwhile has a huge amount of money there and I, I went to a, an esports gaming uh, sort of uh, talk recently and I took away one thing that was really interesting you can have uh, you can have gaming without esports but you can't have esports without gaming. so what that really means is esports is only really like competitive like really popular forms of games that you can have people play and compete but you can always just have games people playing games by themselves too right. so the, the market for gaming itself is it's much larger in terms of uh, dollars out there for advertising for a broad whack of different things too. Right. Um, let's talk about, uh, so, you know, as a story behind it, give, give us, what's one of the biggest, what's a situation where it's like you guys thought you guys were ready to kind of hang up the gloves? Was there any kind of like big hill that you climbed? Has it been an easy coasted ride? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Chasing Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which is, uh, you know, they're an awesome partner with us. Um, persistence is that. Uh, it's one of those things that, for me, it's like, I don't really like, I hate to lose, and then I don't want to give up. So in this cycle of sports, it's, if you don't get it that year, you have to wait another year. And I've been uh, chasing that one for a couple of years, and just timing was a little bit off every time so one year I missed it the next year I thought I was there and I missed it again uh, and then I just knew like that third year that I was gonna pull out all the stops to be able to do it and uh, you know I had some good champions in there uh, I made relationships they always were trying to help me kind of get within the organization and uh, you know just kind of kept being forefront top of mind uh, never giving up and making sure, uh, you know, to to pop in whenever there was something uh, useful to be able to share. Uh, t stopping in whenever you're kind of in town for things like that, <laughs> and then being able to uh, get out there uh, for some key meetings in that last year. Uh, and knowing when the key budget times were and just making sure I said I'm gonna fly there I'm gonna park myself at your office and you're gonna parade every single stakeholder that you need to come through the door to talk to me and validate that we are the solution for you and and that's how what, do you go about identifying their, their problems is it just in conversations like a lot of it is uh, you gotta the discovery and listening in every single conversation and with an organization that big that has the Leafs the Raptors uh, Scotiabank uh, Arena, like everything under the sun in their properties that they have. Um, just knowing how that all bubbles up together and then what are their individual challenges but maybe also the broader like long-term goal where they want to be able to get to too. So 
kind of finding all those things and seeing where you can fit and be part of that long-term strategy. I think what was great about that is, um, so going back, I said I chased it for three years. We finally won that deal and we ended up, uh, you know, being able to be, they're one of our key partners now. We do a, an amazing amount of business with them and uh, have been amazing partners because I think they probably are one of the best sports and entertainment groups in all of the world and the way they operate. They're very innovative. So uh, they had a bunch of leadership change in the technology side and, and where they wanted to drive a digital focus. And uh, we've kind of become a key part of the cog in that wheel uh, as a partner for it. So talk a little bit about your, which and congratulations on it. That's huge. Were, were you around it with uh, the Raptors winning or did it come just after that? Uh, so we were, uh, we started at the beginning of that season. So we were, yes, we were uh, all through it, all through the ride, and that was... Uh, Did you just see some data just as as the Raptors were winning and they were going to the championship? Like, did you see the data just climbing? The oh, we just, just saw the engagement. Like, all of Canada was on board with the Raptors, right? There's, like, the, you know, a bunch of uh, Canadian hockey teams are out. So the, the only thing that was left, really, was just the Raptors. And they were going on this epic run, and everyone kind of got behind it. I, I think it was a, a pretty magical thing for Canada because they hadn't seen a Stanley Cup in, you know, since the early 90s, uh, still waiting for one. Meanwhile, they bring home a Canadian uh, an NBA championship. Might never see one again, right? Uh, right? But uh, So when that was happening, where, how were you working with the client? Were things changing? Were they coming to the table with ideas? Like, what was it an iterative process or was it like, you know, we set it up at the start of the season, now we're just watching it. Oh, no, it's a, a constant sort of uh, process with them. There's all sorts of different things going on. Uh, and so they're uh, always keeping kind of in touch with, with different ways of, of leveraging. Like, they're, they're constantly pushing the envelope with us. Of, can you do this and can we do that? Uh, and that's what we love about the, the collaboration we have between um, our two companies and uh, the partnership we have. Uh, another key key thing is we have like a Slack channel between all of our different partners, and they have like their own individual channels. So we feel really well connected with uh, our partners because we have that line of communication. So it's not like you have to get somebody on the phone. Uh, there's a I really felt it's helped enhance and build the relationships that we've had with our partners, where we can kind of chat at that level, whether it's a, a direct message or like a team chat that's going on too. So that's like a probably like a pretty. Uh clutch piece of technology in the last three years that has that has come out that that has helped your guys business yeah i definitely say and, and i think we had a pretty innovative use of it early on like not a lot of people were thinking about using slack across with different partners outside of your own organization so i think um when i piloted a way is like hey let's try to use this as a way of being able to do support uh with our partners that isn't just email because um, it might go to someone's email box and then like they miss it and they're not there. So how do we get everyone on a team when you're a small team to be able to help support uh, a, a group? If someone's in a meeting, can someone else pick up the slack and help them out? Pick up the slack, <laughs> uh, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, you but, walked yeah, into that yeah, one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and we found that has actually worked extremely well to be able to, uh, you know, be able to help our partners but build a relationship and send an occasional funny gif as well too right right so you're so let's now uh just to kind of wrap it up which we'll probably put this part at the end maybe talk a little bit about uh you know your your relationship with the founders and 
you know, what are they, like, how, what type of vision do they give? Like, is it a, talk about, like, from the leadership level down. So you're a VP now, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, but talk about your founders. Like, what have they set a presidents in terms of your budget? Right? Yeah, I got yeah, no, That's why I stood up. Switch it up. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have sat on the wrought iron, man. Yeah, you oh. sat on it first. I was yeah, like, yeah, I'll I have to like, go with you on it. Yeah. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about, like, your founder. You can sit down, too. Sit down with your um, um, you know what, that's what they call butt hurt. <laughs> um, maybe just talk about a little bit about. Um, it's this this a nice little cute shot here. Maybe talk a little bit about like your relationship with your founders. How much like is it important that they give you? freedom to operate like mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you find valuable working um i think working well? yeah i've got a really good relationship with with our co-founders i think uh having a background in in startups um like one of the big pieces reasons why i joined the startup was uh or joined tradable bits was the two founders were extremely intelligent people and really good people that i, I like uh they were both uh sort of experts in their field, uh, Darshan having a background in, in technology and, and he was with, worked with uh, Bell and building out the convention center and the director of Olympic services and Dimitri was a, a architect, at, a chief architect for Accenture, so like really strong technical backgrounds. Uh, I worked at other startups where uh, the founders literally were like kids and they didn't really know how to operate a business. So. Having a, a better understanding of, of having founders that have you know been down the path of working for larger organizations know how big business sorts of work, but wanting to work in like a smaller group because they didn't want to be a, a part of that, but knowing how to work with a big business that was kind of key. And there's a collaborative process between them. They they have a good partnership, um, and they're open to understanding uh, ideas and being innovative about that and. There's been a lot of rope for me to learn and develop and be an expert within my industry and give them insights into how I think we should grow our business or grow our revenue, grow our partnerships and things like that too. Where, where did the idea for Tradable Bits come from? Uh, right out of the kitchen table of uh, Darshan and, and Dimitri after the Olympics. Um, Darshan was always fascinated with uh, competing with social media. So maybe set it up. So say the Olympics, 2000, and like yeah, it's the 20th. Back to the time. So Darshan was a director of Olympic Services uh, van, at uh, Vancouver 2010 Olympics, and uh, everything you saw, heard, or, or read was coming through uh, the networks that that they were building. And uh, this was a, a time when social media was kind of really on the rise, and. Uh, the networks were having to compete with social media for results. So people at the finish line could be snapping a picture and tweeting it or putting it on Facebook as fast as uh, they could possibly be putting it out on, on broadcast. And initially they were like, can we shut down social or Facebook? And they're like, no, we can't do that. But they were always fascinated at, as to what that was like and how people interacted with it and the emotion that came out of it. So that was the the crux of starting Tradable Bits was understanding uh, if you were to you know, trade a piece of information for something else, what you sort of get. It's sort of a give and get. It's kind of like a little bit of what why it's called Tradable Bits in that way. So they built, um, the initial uh, Tradable Bits was built around uh, Facebook apps and 
uh, contests and different things and seeing how people would uh, engage with it and ultimately it evolved into uh, a fan data platform with a social CRM and all the other pieces that we sort of built around it but that was really the start of everything there what's been the uh, what's been the biggest or what's been the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to in terms of like what the future has in store for tradable bits Oh, it's continuing to conquer the space in sports, music, and entertainment. Uh, we've been able to, to get out to see a lot of uh, our partners and go to their arenas and experience that. There's nothing quite like uh, seeing the, the fan experience of each one of these things, like especially in sports that I've never experienced before. So getting out to uh, working with NASCAR uh, and their tracks and getting out to college football, which up in Canada you won't, don't see anything quite like it, and that's just a whole different world. It's about, you know, college football is religion, uh, in, in especially in the South, right? So it's kind of like maybe as close as Canadians in hockey, right? Just being able to see that and uh, the fan passion and everything that kind of goes along with it. So hopefully... Uh, being able to conquer more in that industry, uh, I think, is really exciting, and and uh, we're looking forward to to doing more and really growing our business. We're moving offices, we're expanding. We're now up to about a team of twenty, uh, and it's you know upwards and onwards from here. So, what uh, to to finish this off? What some tips you would give to um, somebody starting on the technology space, uh, creating? a platform or a, not necessarily a SaaS product, but something that merges technology and experience, which is essentially what Trade Limits is. Yeah, do something simpler. <laughs> it's pretty complex. Um, I think if, you've, if you find a sort of a, a certain challenge and you know how to solve it, that's a, that's a really good way to be able to, to go to market with something. That's an easy way to sell it. If you want something a little bit more challenging try to tackle it and say you'll be able to do it all in one i mean that's not necessarily what i had picked out of the bat but i'm i'm glad we're able to do it because we developed a technology that's pretty powerful to go down that route but i think being able to uh you know i, I think about s simple little things that were you know you're always like man why didn't i come up with that like pay by phone that's brilliant like being able to, to pay for parking off of an app and then you slap a sticker and you work with municipalities, like those are brilliant little things. So I think if you can find a little spot uh, that's missing that is antiquated in technology and that's where you think you can solve a challenge and make that really easy, that's that's an area I would, I would try to play in. And if you have the complicated product, what's the number one tip? Like simplify your story, simplify your. Well, message. go to agency media to build a video, <laughs> uh, and tell that story. But no, seriously, like you have to be able to bring it down and, and tell that story. Or I always try to break things down to analogies, simple analogies that people can understand, and and, and use that as a way to explain how your product's going to work or why that's the case. Cool. Well, Lenny, thank you for taking some time for this interview. I want to congratulate you on all your success with Tradable Bits thus far, from landing uh, Maple Leaf uh, uh, Sports and Entertainment. By landing Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment to getting promoted to VP and to, to really seeing a company grow from an idea into, you know, almost like a
to the music space. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs>